0: little while I will have, or I will invite Kelly up here after I'm done speaking. Um, she has an amazing word on her heart as well that um, she's going to share. So just um, bear with me for a few minutes and um, we're going to kind of just dive right in. So so for some of you that don't know me, my name is Christine. As Pastor Rose said, I'm married to my husband, Greg. We have five beautiful children. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, Calon Bailey, Parker, Preston, Graham, and yes, I do get them all confused all the time, and I'm like, Bailey, Kalem, Parker, Preston, I don't know which one I'm trying to yell at, but whatever. So they all answer, they all know they're in trouble anyways, but it's all good. <laughs> it's truth, it really is. So <laughs> anyways, no, I love the Lord, been serving the Lord for the last 15 years alongside my husband, and Um, We just love doing life together and with our children and, you know, um, we just love having our children in our home, raising them um, in in the Lord. Sorry, my voice is kind of going out here. So today's message is a mother's faith and we're going to look at how to, uh, by faith, let go and and trust God. So we're going to look in um, Exodus um, chapter 2. And I got all my cards here for Mother's Day, so <laughs> right there in the Bible. <clears throat> and I'm gonna only, I'm gonna read um, one to one through four here. <clears throat> of course, I choke on my water. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was special, a special baby, and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket, made of papyrus reeds, and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you today and just want to want to want you to be glorified in this message, Lord. I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and I just pray, God, that you would just come into this place, Lord. You are invited here, God. I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak through me, Lord. I am just a vessel, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that um, the mamas here today will will um, just take something from this, Lord, and 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 that there there will be freedom in this, Lord, and and. And whatever it is, God, that you have for each mom today, Lord, I just pray, God, um, that you would just bless them. Just bless them richly today, Lord. And we just thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to go back to verse 3 in, in, in uh, chapter 2. So, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket Made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. I have a basket up here; it's it's huge. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> McKenna brought this for me, um, so this this is my example today. Moses's basket. No, I love it though; it's great. So, imagine imagine with me for a, mo- a moment. You have Moses Moses's mom, Jacobed, which her name is referenced in Exodus six twenty. She's preparing a basket. And she's putting tar and pitch on this so, you know, that it would be waterproof. Because she's getting ready to put this this baby in this basket and and put him in the Nile River. So, of course, you know, she doesn't want him to get wet. You know, you don't don't want him to sink or, you know, get eaten by something or whatever. (laughs) Um, She wants to keep him dry. Maybe she had a blanket in there, you know, straw, whatever that looks like. You know, she just wanted to make sure he was safe. And so, um, and of course, you know, why she's doing this is because back in chapter one, you have, you see Pharaoh who's, you know, commanding every baby boy, um, to be cast into the, into the Nile river, um, beautiful thing. But Moses, parents saw that he was special. He was a beautiful child. They knew they had to hide him. They knew they had to keep him safe. And so they weren't afraid of the King's commands. You know, they, they feared God. They feared God more than they feared man. That's so important. We're fearing God more than we're fearing man. In Hebrews eleven twenty-three, it says, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that the God had they saw that God had given them a beautiful, or some translations say unusual, child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. So Jacob started preparing the basket for her son. I could only imagine at this moment in this woman's life, in this mother's life, as she's preparing this basket, she's putting the tar and pitch on it. You know, she's she wants to make sure her son is safe. I can only imagine maybe the fear that this woman has or maybe even anger. Maybe she's angry or or, you know, the tears that are coming down her face. And she's maybe crying out to the Lord and she's saying, you know, Lord, please protect my son. Please, please protect him. Please take care of him. I mean, as a mom, I feel like that's what I would do. I I feel like I would be just crying out to the Lord, knowing that I have to, I have to put my child in a basket and put him in a river, you know. So I'm just, I'm trying to relate to her feelings, her emotions in this. And I can only assume because I mean they don't give detail of her reactions, so this is just kind of like okay, like what is she feeling how is she how is she how is she feeling at this moment in time? So she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the nile river second corinthians five seven for we live by believing and not by seeing so at this moment i I had um, read something in the Word. It said, her godly fear translated into love. I thought that was so good. I thought that was so good because I'm like, yes, God. I mean, the fear of God, I mean, it, that's what it is. It, it's translated into love. When when Greg and I, um, when we got saved 15 years ago, and, and then we got married very quickly um, after that, <laughs> he already had um he already had Bailey and Calum and i know maybe some of you have kind of already heard a little bit of this testimony but from my perspective as a mom um he already had Bailey and Calum um with his first marriage i wasn't the i wasn't i wasn't the first choice i was the second so <laughs> sorry like you know it all worked out it all worked out i'm good it's, it's all right I was the best. I was the chosen. <laughs> I was the chosen. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so Greg was already in fight mode. See, this this relationship that he was in was, was not healthy. And he was from the get-go already in fight mode, already fighting for Bailey and Kalem. And he was, and then I came in at, you know, we were, I was 19. I was 19. I think he was 21, something like that when we met. And so I'm like an instant mom. I'm like right out the bat. I'm 19 years old. I'm an instant mom. And, you know, Bailey and Kalem are not even a year old yet. And so, you know, here we are, we get saved and it's like, now, now we know we have to fight. Like, I mean, he's already fighting for him, but like we get saved, now we're living holy, we're trying to live for the Lord, and we know, we know that 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 these kids are supposed to be with us. 100%, hands down, we're living for God. And you know, we're just new in Christ. We're we're babies. I mean, we're still learning the Bible. We're still learning the verses. We're still learning how to tithe and all, all the things that, you know, new Christians, you know, we're, we're just babies in Christ. But but um, right off the gate, it's like, okay, we have these two kids, and and we know that they're supposed to be in our home because we know that they're supposed to be raised by godly parents. They're supposed to be raised by godly parents. And so this is where we start to prepare our baskets. So... We, Greg and I, I mean, I mean and let, let me, I just want to lay this out here. This is not something that only went on for a week or two. I mean, we, if you can imagine, like, our, our main goal, our main goal was to have them for, have them in our home, you know, permanently. Um, but, I mean, we were fighting a good five, six years straight. So this wasn't, like, a week or two. Like, this is, like, a constant, a constant fight trying to, you know, Anyways. I'll get to it. <laughs> so here we are, we're fighting for these kids. We're preparing our basket. And what I mean by that is we have to let them go sometimes. So we so we have to. I mean, we have we have the whole every other weekend thing, we have like the shared parenting, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. And and it's it's really great if you can be healthy and do that. <laughs> it really is, but sometimes sometimes unusual unfortunately it's it's not like in our case we had to fight in our case it wasn't it wasn't looking like that so um you know when i worked at the when i worked at the hospital back in 2007 when we when we got married there's this um there's this room on the second floor it's like a, a it's a quiet room it's like a I'm not sure what kind of room it is. I don't, know what, I don't know what they call it. It's like kind of where all the religions come together. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. But anyways, point is I I come to work. I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm newly saved. And I'm bringing my Bible with me. I'm in a fight for Bailey and Calum. And I'm fasting. I'm praying. I take my Bible. And at lunchtime, I'm not eating because I'm fasting. I go up to the prayer room. I go up to the prayer room, or I call it the prayer room, but I go up to the room where it's silent, and I sit down, or I kneel, and there's times that I even just kneeled, and I thought, Lord, please, and I cry out to God, and, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm saying, please, 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 God, give me these children. Let them be in our home so we can raise them, so they can be in a godly Christian home, because I knew there was something special. I knew, I just, like, you just, when you're a mom, you know that you know that you know. that you know, like you, you have to have these, these kids in your home. And so, you know, I just, I really believe that this, this fight was worth it. It it was worth it. I mean, we're seeing the fruit of that now. We really are. We're seeing the fruit of the fight. And so, you know, Parker was born four years later and we thought he wasn't going to make it. Um, they rush him to the NICU, just, just different things in our lives that we had to, we had to prepare our baskets. We had to fight, go by faith and just, you know, fight for these kids. And so, and then Preston and Graham came along and I don't know what we were thinking. Like there's, and then there's five and I'm like, what are we doing? And I'm like, I don't even know. And I feel like I have to prepare a basket every day. Like, it's just like, oh my goodness. But um, a beautiful thing Greg and I had during this time was a strong church family, was a family, our, our own family. Um, we had friends that we could call on. <laughs> we had friends that we could call on, and sometimes I was calling my best friend almost daily for prayer. And sometimes, you know, just a vent, and I need encouraged we need people like like that in our lives because we're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant to walk this alone. We're not meant to fight this alone. You know, we're meant to do life together. We're meant to, we're, God didn't design us like this. He, he designed us to do this together. And it's just, it's such a blessing when you can have those people in your life to help fight with you. Moses' mom wasn't by herself either. I mean, she had her husband. She had her, her other two children, you know, um, the son and the daughter Miriam, Moses' sister. In verse 4, she stood at the distance watching to see what would happen to him. And here is God's favor. This is where it gets exciting. <laughs> here is God's favor. So in verses 8 and 9, so you, well, okay, so kind of, you see how. It, five six seven eight nine so you see how you know pharaoh pharaoh's daughter is bathing in in the nile river she comes across the basket and and she sees you know the baby and miriam is standing there watching to see what's 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 happening what's gonna happen and so um she 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 runs to the princess and she says can i go get a hebrew nurse can i can i go get somebody to to help you nurse this child and and you know, the princess says, yes, go, go find somebody. And Miriam's running, you know, she's so excited. And I could only imagine she's running back to her mom to say, mom, you can come and nurse Moses. You can come back and nurse your baby. And I'm like, yes, God's favor. So she was obedient. And and from the very beginning, even though she had to, through faith, she had to make that basket and put that child in the river and she did it. But, god's favor on her and and brought moses back so now she gets to spend that those the most precious moments of that child's life you know just just to imagine that so um i lost my place (laughs) so she gets to spend the most impressionable the most impressionable moments with that child she gets she gets to see that child grow up the first i don't know they say sometimes You know, three to five years, I don't know what that looked like for Moses, but, you know, his first steps, his first words, his laughter, all the things, right? So he gets, he, she gets to experience that with him. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you, maybe some moms today can relate to the circumstances that, you know, Greg and I have went through. Or maybe you're getting ready to send your daughter or, or son off to college, or for the first time, or maybe it's you know kindergarten, or maybe you know you're a new mom. There's a new mom here. There's going to be a new another new mom, <laughs> and just the the different things that you know you go through the circumstances, or you're a grandma raising your grandchildren, or stepmom, and aunt, or whatever that circumstance in your life. Just rest assured that you can put your trust and faith in God, and and just keep. Um, At first I said weaving the basket, but I don't know that she really weaved it. (laughs) Um, But she definitely prepared that basket for her child. And um, she was so faithful, and in that, God's favor was upon her. So, Jacob's painful decision, yet continuing to have faith and trust in the Lord, paints a powerful picture of surrender and a life of faith that when circumstances arise, we sometimes are forced to have to make hard and painful decisions. You know, we didn't, you know, in in all honesty, we didn't like having to, you know, have the twins come back to our home, and then having again every other weekend, taking them back. Like, you feel like you're giving them to the world, and you're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore because then we have to get them back and almost, like, retrain them and, like, just, like, all the things. And I'm like, I, Lord, please just let them be in our home so we can raise them. And and, and we later had victory in that. We really, we, we had victory. We we got them. They're in our home. We're, we're raising them to the best of our ability, and, and we see the fruit of that. But we, we thank God for them, and, and all our children, we do. And like Jacobed, we can only hope and pray that the Lord will pour his favor upon us and that we might surrender our children wholeheartedly to his perfect will. And so today I just ask, what would it look like if we by faith would prepare the basket or surrender our children every day over to the Lord? How would it affect our families, our church, our communities, just by allowing God to have his way with our kids? I just feel like, you know, even even in all of that, that you know, maybe there's maybe you need healing today. Maybe maybe if you maybe you've went through something. I mean, I can only imagine what Jacobed's heart felt like. I'm sure that she needed you know the Lord to touch her and heal her and restore her. Like she eventually, she had to let she took she took Moses back. You know, she took him back and then had to leave him there. So I can't imagine what her heart felt like then, but. Um, you know, we, 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 need, we need the healing. We need, allow, we need to allow God to, to make us whole. We do. We need that. So I just, you know, I hope and pray that you're encouraged today just to trust and have the faith in God and allow him to have his way with your children. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. So mamas, I feel like God is saying, and I had to write this down because he he told me this. And he said, you're not alone. You're not alone. God is here and he is with you. And he has already gone before you. He is ready to meet you there, right where you are. He's ready to meet you right where you are. You are so loved. You are so loved. And your child, your child is unique to you, and only you. And God designed that child perfectly for you. So um, as we transition here, and and Wendy's going to come and and uh, do her dance ministry, but I just pray that you're encouraged today.
1: Jesus' name, Jesus. Name. need
2: kinda has to whisper in my ear <laughs> to make the enemy regret he ever missed. <sighs> and I'm not gonna ugly cry. I'm not gonna ugly cry. Gonna ugly cry. So um Wendy and Christine and Ashley and I were painting the nursery, I don't was it like last month? I don't know. And we just start sharing our testimony and just, I mean, Wendy's dance came in and the music and everything. And God was just working in that moment. And, uh, you know, we knew Christine was going to speak on this day. And a few weeks ago, she texted me because we were supposed to get together for coffee. But uh, we just, it just never worked out. So she texted me and I read her text. And she said, I really feel like you're supposed to, you know, share Mother's Day with me. You're supposed to speak. And instantly, my flesh was like, "Nope, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not gonna do it." And I'm sitting here thinking of all the reasons why, you know, we're so busy. And and McKenna comes and sits on the couch. And she said, "Mom, today a year ago, Jetson and I moved back home with you. And so, how can I not? You know, as much as I, my flesh doesn't want to do this right now. How can I not?" share our story of his goodness and what he did in our lives and just what he did i mean it looked impossible absolutely impossible so i said yes <laughs> and um you know just when you go through something like that you just block some of it out and so this made me relive it you know this made me revisit those areas but not to glorify the enemy but to glorify the father and what he did um so in February after Jetson's birthday um I took this down off of our ceiling and it was um one of the promises that we were standing on and believing for McKenna to come back um and I had found it uh, you know during our journey with McKenna uh and it was a mother a christian mother that had written a blog about her son who had left and he had emptied his savings account and he just didn't come home one day she they had no idea where he was and so she shared this blog and her journey with him and the lord gave her this scripture and then he showed her how it applied to him or to her and in their situation jeremiah 31:16 through 17 says Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work. The raising of your children and your prayer shall be rewarded, said the Lord. And they, your children, shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope, something you can expect in your future, says the Lord. Your children shall come back to their own border, the place of safety, peace, and well-being. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at that and and what that says, and I'm just reminded of, you know, our journey and um, what we went through. Um, you know, my husband and Rich and I have been married for 23 years, and we served and we served here for six years, and we served with Pastor Omegon before. And I don't know how long we've been, even been serving. I mean, over 15 years. Um, and we have three children. We have, you know, McKenna, Kobe, and Canaan. And we've always loved the Lord, and we've always taught our children, you know, God's Word. And we've stood on it, and we've prayed. Um, so when stuff like this happens, it's like, how did we get here? You know, it's not it's not what it was supposed to look like. Um. You know, and as I took that paper down, I just remember everything that we went through. It was three years. It was three years. It wasn't um, the quick storms that we like that just blow in. You know, I love the beach, so I love the, the storms that blow in and, and blow back out. It wasn't like that. But the Lord really has brought McKenna so far in our family, and he's been faithful, you know. And I'd like to say that I was a warrior through it all, that I did everything right, Um fighting for the return of our prodigal but the Lord was faithful and he patiently walked me through the darkness and we finally made it to the other side of the storm um, and during that time Pastor Roe spent I don't know hours upon hours upon hours upon hours counseling us mostly me because Richie didn't know what to do with me half the time uh, I, I knew exactly when I was having a bad day and I would get a phone call from Ro and I'm like yep Rich called him <laughs> Like, what do I do with this woman? All she does is cry. Um, but one thing Pastor Rowe would repeatedly ask me is he would say, well, who who's the real enemy? And sometimes I would get annoyed. I'm sorry, Pastor Rowe. But I would because I'm like, why do you keep asking me this? We know who the real enemy is, you know. Until one day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to understand the question. I was finally able to see past the lies that were being told about us the people that were hurting us. Um, I was able to take the, my focus off the people and the problems and see the real enemy. And those were facts. Those things were happening to us. They were real. They hurt. You know, that was real. But God wanted me to see, see the enemy behind it so that I wasn't wasting my time on things I couldn't change. I can't change what people are doing, or what people are saying, you know. And... uh Ephesians 6:12 says for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers of the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places and John 10:10 10, 10 reminds us the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy that's his goal for our lives as believers that's his goal for our family he wants he wants our families to look like just everyone else's family of the world. You know, he, he wants it to look like God does not make a difference. And so as I share our testimony today, it's not to bring shame to anyone. Um, you know, it's not to bring shame to McKenna or anyone like this. We've all been deceived by the enemy. Um, we've all been used by the enemy. And and so this is this is my take on the mother of a prodigal. So throughout high school and after she graduated, McKenna was on fire for the Lord. She she was a great speaker and at one point she wanted to be a pastor. And even as a young girl, people that weren't saved would just tell us, you know, there's something so special about her. McKenna was a talker. She still is. But she loved to talk about God. And if you gave her a minute, she would talk. <laughs> she would talk so much about God. And so Richie and I were always wanting to protect that. You know, we wanted to protect what we saw in her and, and guard her heart and guard her mind. Um, I'm sure my kids don't like it, but you know, we were considered strict parents. We we were we were careful about who influenced our children and who spoke, you know, spoke around them and you know what they had. So before McKenna dated anyone in high school, or even after she graduated, which Kind of seems odd to some people now, but we would sit the guy down and we would have a long talk about McKenna and who she was and about protecting her purity and the call of God that she had on her life. And, you know, if you're going to date her, then you're going to help her grow and move and reach her destiny. So spring of 2019, she began a relationship And before the relationship, she was struggling with some things. I mean, she's 19 years old. I mean, we've all gone through that. And so she was going through stuff, and everything, you know, seemed fine. But by that midsummer, McKenna's struggles were real, and we just saw some changes in her. And the enemy used those struggles and hurts to bring deception. And by fall of 2019, she moved out. And here our daughter was living with a guy that she wasn't married to. And Richie and I couldn't believe this was happening because this is what we've, you know, this is not what it was supposed to look like. It was like our lives blew up in our hands. And it was dark and trying for us. Richie was always so great in faith. And he was always so strong. And he was always like, you just got to picture her coming back. And even despite his hurt, he was always just... So encouraging to me, and, um, you know, God just knows what you need, and he'll use your spouse at those times, and even though he was hurting, he was always just so strong in that time. And so, I spent a lot of time in bed, crying. I'm sorry, boys. I look now back at Kobe and Kaden, and I was like, and Richie, I was like, I was pretty much useless <laughs> i spent a lot of time in bed and at night i would maybe would sleep like one or two hours the just the tormenting spirits every time my head would hit the pillow it was just like flooded of like what mckenna's life is going to look like now and our in our relationship with mckenna was distant you know we went from being this close family to not seeing her, not getting to talk to her, spend time with her. But Richie and I stood in agreement for her to come back home. You know, we wanted God's will for her life, and we knew that where she was, she had the door open to the enemy, and we didn't want that for her. So we saw the, you know, the little glimpse of hope, and, and God, you know, answered our prayers, but as you'll see soon, it wasn't the right prayer. <laughs> But she moved back home january twenty twenty the relationship ended, and you know she's back she's in church she's serving and um but McKenna had some deep hurts and there were things that we tried to help her with that other people tried to help her with but when you're hurting deep and then you're distancing yourself even though you're serving and you're you're with the lord she she wouldn't allow the Lord to heal her at that time because she would just wasn't it just wasn't she wasn't ready, you know. And so at the end of March, one afternoon, McKenna didn't come home from work. And I just knew. I knew. I was instantly so mad. I knew. And we have, like, the app that shows location. And God's like, don't check it. And I'm like, I'm going to check it, you know. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know. And He's like, don't. And I checked it. And sure enough, you know, the relationship was back on. And she moved out again. So, here we are, you know, we had her back for a short time, and you know we thought things were going well, and so we're grieving the loss of losing McKenna again, you know, knowing she's making the wrong the wrong choice and um and I felt like I failed as a mother, you know, because you always think of the mother's love being so strong, and it's like, but my love wasn't strong enough to like, to make her see, you know, to keep her here, to keep her from making the wrong choices. And I felt like I failed God. I felt like I failed Richie. You know, I'm supposed to be the stay-at-home mom. He's off, you know, making money, and I'm supposed to be raising the kids. And this is what it looks like. And the enemy just flooded my mind with all these thoughts. And honestly, I was just too tired to fight him. I was still exhausted from the last battle, <laughs> you know. I was still tired. And I just remember telling the Lord, like, I can't do this again. Like, I just can't do this again. I didn't want to hurt anymore. I just wanted my family back together. I wanted family dinners. I wanted, you know, I wanted to be able to plan uh, Christmas and family gatherings and not wonder if McKenna would want to come or, you know. And I wanted to sleep, like so Wanted to just sleep, you know. I wanted to sleep and enjoy life. And some people would ask me, you know, why are you making such a big deal? McKenna's an adult, you know. She's nineteen. She's an adult. She can make her choices. But as Christian parents, we have to fight for our kids. We can't. We have to. We have to get her to her destiny. You know, we can't stand before God and be like, "Well, she's an adult. She can make her own choices, her own decisions." We never stop fighting for our kids. No matter how old they are, we never stop fighting for them. So one afternoon, Richie came home from work, and this is during COVID, so he was an essential worker. And so, you know, the boys and I are stuck in the house all day long, and and I'm just letting the enemy just run crazy with my thoughts. And um, and I decided that I was going to go and I was going to save McKenna. I was physically gonna go get her you know and I'm just like I'm gonna physically go get her like I'm tired of this I'm not doing this I'm gonna go get her and so Richie comes home from work and and he goes to take a nap and so I remember I'm in our bathroom and I'm doing my hair and makeup and like all of a sudden it comes to me like why are you doing your hair and makeup and I'm like I could get arrested and I wanted to make sure that You know, I look decent because I've been in lockdown for a couple weeks. And if I was going to get arrested, I wanted to look good. No. You know, I did. I wanted to look good. And as I'm writing this down and telling you guys, it does sound a little crazy. But that's where I was. I was desperate. And so, you know, Richie's still napping. I sneak out because I know Richie was going to stop me. And on the way, I'm telling God, you know, what the plan was, what we're going to do. And I'm just talking and I'm talking, Richie or Jesus in the passenger seat. And I'm doing this because I don't want to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying at that moment, which was you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Turn around. I don't want to hear it. So, you know, I'm giving God the lowdown. I'm going to get her. And if I have to get physical, I'm going to physically carry her out. I've heard these stories about these moms that have children trapped under cars and they can lift them up. I can physically get her in the car. Once I get her in here, you do whatever you need to do, and we're going to take her home, you know. Um, uh, I told you it sounded crazy, doesn't it? But we do crazy things as moms. And even while I'm telling Jesus what we're doing, Richie calls and, you know, interrupts my meeting that I'm having. And he's like, what are you doing? And I tell him, "He's like, where are you at? And he's like, I physically can't stop you at this point. And I'm like, and he's like, but you've already made your mind up, haven't you? And I said, yep. So I go, and uh, nothing went as planned, you know. My ken is extremely mad at me, you know, extremely, extremely mad at me. Um, and it just made things worse, honestly, because I wasn't, that was me trying to be the savior. Um, and so we went for a while I think a couple weeks and McKenna came home to get her stuff from our house and by this time you know she comes to get her stuff and she's got her basket and I feel like I'm on my knees I'm literally on my knees and I'm begging her don't do this we'll wipe the slate clean um, it our life doesn't have to look like this, you know. And she just kept saying, Mom, I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to be fine. And I'm like, you're not. You're not going to be fine, you know. I just knew. Like, you're, you're choosing the wrong path. And um, so, you know, we're trying to reason with her. And at one point, I grabbed her around the waist, and I was just holding on, and I just begging, just begging her, please. Please don't walk away from God. Please don't walk away from your family. You know, pick us. Pick God. Pick your family. Pick you know, choose life, you know. And I'm throwing everything at her. What about Pastor Roe? You know, because she Pastor Roe's her mentor and she meets with him and, you know, just what about your brothers? And she just kept saying, Mom, I'm fine and I let go of her and then I look at Richie and I'm like, Save our family. Like do something, stop her, something. And He's crying at this point, and he's trying to reason with her. And um, just nothing we said would change her mind at that moment, you know. And uh, she left. And I've heard that door close a hundred times, but I'll never forget the sound it made that day. It was like my heart was ripped out of my chest. And I remember telling Richie, "I'm sorry, but I have no fight left in me. I'm done." So Mac, um, you know, and Mac, while while Mac was gone, people would try to come and comfort us. And, um, you know, just tell us, like, this is God's will for McKenna's life. This is his plan. And I'm sitting back and I'm like, so you're telling me that God told McKenna to go, you know, go and sin, live in sin. And, you know, and at the time, I just couldn't think about god that way you know i couldn't think that he had anything to do with this the one i'm declaring to have complete faith in um the one i'm trusting to rescue my child had planned this for our family the one that sent his son to die for me brought on all this pain and this suffering and so during that time i really had to just guard my heart and my thoughts and honestly i didn't talk to many people because i was struggling so bad um And I was in such a vulnerable place because, you know, like I told Richie, I just don't, I didn't feel like I had any fight left in me. And so often as believers, we forget, you know, when people are going through stuff, there's power of life and death in our tongues. And so at that moment, and anytime anybody's going through anything, we need to hear life. We need to be declared. I needed people around me that were declaring life, not what it looked like in the natural, but what God said about it. And... You know, so during this time, it was difficult because, you know, McKenna's struggling and, you know, she's off doing whatever. And it was it was hard because it was, McKenna didn't talk or act like McKenna, you know. It was like I would talk, I would be having a conversation with her and just, not that the topics were terrible or anything like that, but it just wasn't the real McKenna. It wasn't real conversations. It wasn't the stuff that we normally talked about or or the things we did, but every time that I spoke with her, I would just look for that little glimpse of hope that, you know, God was doing something like, oh, she talked about God today, or, you know, she, you know, she said, you know, she said this and this, and, but more times than not, I was discouraged and disappointed, um, but Richie and I continue to pray and stand in agreement, and we stood on Mark eleven twenty three and 24. It says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it is yours. So this time, our prayer was for McKenna to come back to the Lord, for McKenna to be in a strong, healthy relationship with the Father, to, to live her life for the Lord, no matter what that looked like Um That's what we wanted for her. Not, Lord, bring her back to us, because when she came back the first time, we physically had McKenna, but it wasn't the whole McKenna, you know. It wasn't. And so we knew she needed to be back with the Lord where her healing could take place and she could be whole. So we're praying, and, you know, by this time, um, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm stronger, you know. I'm praying and I'm standing in faith. We're declaring God's word over McKenna and the situation night and day, and that she would come back to the Lord. And I had scripture on index cards just plastered all over the house, um, scripture all over the mirrors, just so anywhere that I looked. If the enemy brought a thought, I could just be like, "Nope, this is what this is what the Lord said. This is what we're believing." And Miss um, Joe even made little laminated little scripture cards for, for me and I had those taped all over the inside of my car and whenever the opportunity uh, presented itself I would slip a few of those in McKenna's purse or pocket. Did you ever find those? <laughs> um, so, you know, here we are and despite being a hot mess 98% of the time between crying and lack of sleep um, I stood in the gap for McKenna. We stood in the gap And we fought for her. And some days I fought while laying in bed. But I I was reading and declaring God's word, listening to sermons and worship music just 24-7. And just declaring like, things are going to turn around. Today's the day. You know, I'd get up. Today's the day. Um, But by midsummer, it looked like the furthest from what we were praying and believing God for. It went from dark to pitch black, you know, and here we are this, we're, you know, we think that we're doing everything right. McKenna was pregnant, and a week after finding out she was pregnant, she got engaged, and we felt so cheated, you know, here we are standing in faith and believing for the miraculous, and and for and our only daughter is pregnant and now engaged to a, a guy that we don't have a relationship with, you know. There's nothing there. And it was furth- the furthest thing from what I pictured our life to be like. You know, Richie and I both grew up in really close families. And we're still really close to our families. And next to God family is everything, you know. And so we felt cheated. We were cheated, you know. There was no asking her hand for her hand in marriage there wasn't going to be any walking her down the aisle or helping her plan her wedding and the enemy was telling me now I was going to have this grandchild that I was never going to get to see or enjoy and in that moment the depression was real and the anxiety was real but life at that moment didn't seem real it seemed like a dream it seemed like I was always just out out of my body I don't know how else to describe it it was just like it wasn't real And I just remember for a long time it was, so God, where are you? This is what it looks like. Where are you? But after a while, a very long while, I began to see the tiny glimpse of hope here and there in McKenna. And that October I was spending time in the Word and prayer. And it hit me that I truly wasn't in faith because I was questioning God's character. The Holy Spirit showed me and I began to study God's character and just take notes. And and I would say whatever I was writing down, I would just say it out loud. And I, I would say it until I believed it, until my heart believed it. I did it until I could truly believe that God was who he said he was. Until I could say, God is good, period. Not adding anything in front of it. Not adding anything behind it. Um, you know, too many times it said, God is good, but... You know, Or God is good, but he's teaching this person this lesson through this sickness. Or God brought this on this person to teach them something. Or if God is good, then why is this happening? But God does not teach his children through making them sick. Or like bringing tragedy. He bring, He teaches us through his word. So it's know who your real enemy is in those moments. You know, and you have to... You have to be able to declare that so that you can say without a doubt that God is good and not wavering your faith, and you can be able to stand against the enemy. So during this time, God was bringing restoration and healing to my relationship with McKenna, and it was a slow process, you know, because I'd like, I would have liked it to be a lot quicker, but we were going in the right dire- direction, and in November, that November... I just came to my breaking point, I think. I can't, I don't even, I I think I was just over the way things looked. I was over of having to fight, and and what I was really battling was the fact that I wanted God to answer the prayers the way that I wanted him to, you know? I wanted him to, to do it now, I wanted him to do it this way, I wanted him to listen to what I was saying, and so I'm laying on our bathroom floor, and I'm just sobbing, and I'm just crying out, and then I said, God, I know you're good, and I don't doubt it, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll love whoever you want me to love. I'll move, you know, just just move and answer our prayers, but you do it the way you want to, and for so long, I wanted him to do it my way, and I think that that was the biggest struggle for me, you know. I just, why can't you just do it like this so it's over, you know. Why can't you just do it like this, and But in that moment, I honestly let go, Um, and the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. And for the first time, I heard the Father's voice, and it was clear. There wasn't the junk, you know, there wasn't the noise. I could hear his voice. And he began just to tell me, he said, you know, because McKenna's in her third trimester at this time, and he said, and McKenna loves food. She's always loved food. And the Holy Spirit just began to tell me, he said, anytime you talk to McKenna, just ask her what she's hungry for that day. And he said, make it for her and take it to her or invite her over. And I'm like, okay. And so I did that. And but the Lord told me, he said, you know, when McKenna's around, he said, I want her to feel love. You let McKenna bring up the topics. Um, He's like, but I want her to know when she's around you. I want her to feel that atmosphere of love. I want her to feel me when she's around you. And, um, you know, so I did that. I did, did what the Lord told me to, and we grew close, and I enjoyed that time together. I enjoyed spending quali- quality time with her, and she was acting more and more like McKenna. Just, I can't describe it. It was McKenna, it was the real McKenna, you know? And so I got to spend time with my daughter again. And, um,. She began to attend church and, you know, come with us. And we had some deep conversations, some real conversations. And the Holy Spirit always gave me the right words to speak. And it was never like there was never a fight. It was always just that peace of God that was there. And I saw that, you know, the Lord was opening her eyes. And on February 5th, 2021, Jetson was born our first grandchild. And I experienced a love I never knew. Uh, I, you know, I thought I loved my kids, but man, when you have a grandbaby, it's different. <laughs> and the Lord blessed me, and I was able to spend almost every day with McKenna and Jetson. And I loved watching McKenna learn and grow as a mother. You know, I got to help her give him his first sink bath, and it was a, it was a joyous time. But at the same time, McKenna was going through a lot of difficult and painful moments. You know, it was it was very trying for McKenna. And on April 21st, 2021, McKenna and Jetson moved home with us. She did what the Lord asked her to do. She walked in obedience. None of it was easy, but she was bold and courageous. Most wouldn't have been able to do what she did. I know she's lonely at times and there's, There's a lot of times that aren't easy for her, but she's in God's will, and there's no place I want my kids to be. So God's done a miraculous transformation in McKenna's life. And she's, you know, God's brought healing and restoration, not only to her, but to our family. She's a full time single mom, she's a full time college student. She's the, what, youth pastor? Youth pastor here at TGP. And she loves the Lord, and she has a healthy relationship with him. So we celebrate where McKenna is today. We give God the glory for that. Her life brings him glory. And now she's raising Jetson to know and love and honor and serve the Lord. So a few years ago, the, the Lord told me to study First Samuel chapter 30 for 30 days. And recently he told me to study it again. And... um as I was reading it, it reminded me so much of our of our journey and I, um, that we went on you know for three years. So in First Samuel chapter 30, we have David and his men went off in to fight, and the Amalekites came to their town. and when David and his men returned, um, their town was burned down, all their belongings were gone, and their wife and kids were taken captive. And they were all devastated, and they wept until they could no longer weep. And while David is weeping and grieving, the loss of his children, the men that he's with, turn bitter, and talk of stoning him. As followers of Christ, trials are going to come. You know, James 1, verse 2 says, Consider it nothing but joy, brothers and sisters, when you fall in various trials. And it's hard when you're in a trial to... See the joy. But when tragedy hits. And you're at your lowest point. You truly see who's there to fight for you. The hearts of the people around you. Will be revealed. For our situation. We had a lot of people that. We thought were. You know in our circle. And fighting for us. But not everyone in your circle. Is truly in your corner. But God will surround you with the right people. He'll surround you with. The group of people that that you need you know even to get here even for our family to get to tgp it was such a fight from where we were but god brought us here because he knew that you know he knew what we were going to need in that moment and so that moment david's in you know grieving and he's exhausted and his own people are turning against him and he runs to the lord The last part of verse 6 says, But David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. This is the key to being able to stand and thrive in any storm. David turned to the Lord and asked him what to do, and the Lord told him to take his men and go after the Amalekites and take back what was theirs. Along the way, David and his men found a servant of the Amalekites. The servant agreed to show them where the Amalekites were. And verse 16 says, When he brought David down, the Amalekites had disbanded and spread all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and the land of Judah. Watching the enemy have fun with what belongs to you, seeing the enemy have a good time with your children and deceiving your family, that's difficult. But God is a just God. This isn't what we normally do, but I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'm sorry, Pastor you're not. It's the moms in charge today. So First Samuel chapter 30, verse 17 and through 19 says, Then David and all of his men struck down in battle from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters spoil, or anything that had been taken. David recovered it all. David recovered all the enemy had taken, and his wife and children were returned unharmed. So mothers, no matter how far the enemy has taken your child or how impossible your situation looks, When you partner with God, he will take you from tragedy to triumph. You're not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you are. The enemy wants you to come into agreement with the distorted picture he's given you of your child's future. The distorted picture he's trying to show you of your future. He wants to overwhelm you with lies and fears and doubt. He wants you to believe that God is not good and that he's not hearing your prayers and he's not answering them but that's all a lie. The enemy is lying to you. We don't look at the facts. We look at the truth, and the truth is the word of God and what he says about us and our children and our lives. When you're in your darkest moment, in your toughest battle, strengthen yourself in the Lord like David did. Know who the real enemy is and call him out. You have the authority. Allow the Lord to lead you through. Battle victoriously and recover all the enemy has taken from you. The Lord told me this is the season of preparation for the prodigal's return. It's a season for healing and restoration. We would like to take this opportunity to pray for mothers at this time, for those that need healing in their physical bodies, in their minds and relationships. We want to pray for mothers Uh, Mothers of prodigals, for strength as you stand in the gap until your prodigal returns. So we invite you to come at this time to the altar. Let us stand in agreement with you for what you need. It's not over. No matter how dark it looks, how far it looks from what you've been praying and believing God for, He is working on your behalf. He's working on the behalf of your children. He's working on the behalf of your family. Stand and keep fighting. Don't give up.